Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast, the weekly show with the Early Years Network. This week, we are going to be talking a little bit about an early years curriculum. What one is, how we build a curriculum, what's expected of the early years industry in terms of curriculum for children, um, and dive into that. We thought it was quite an interesting topic. We're expected to build our own curriculum, so we'll jump in. Yep. Shall we go? Let's go. So, first of all, what is a curriculum? So, a curriculum is what we want the children to learn in the time that they're with us. Yep. So, it's what we want them to be able to achieve. The broader sense of what we want them to achieve. Exactly. Not so necessarily yep. the activities and what they'll be doing, but that no. broad scale of it. Yeah. So, it's like, what do we want them to leave our settings being able to have done or be able to do? Reaching wider society. Yeah, and as a holistic viewpoint as well. So when we're talking about curriculum today, we're coming from the viewpoint of not just educational, but also physical development, also social development, really importantly, emotional development, and that sort of whole picture, whole body of work. So on in the UK, the government website does have a section about planning a curriculum in the early years. Yep. So it... It says to start with the seven areas of learning. Now, everything you've said comes into those seven areas. So they are the base of what you want children to achieve. Yep. How you deliver that is up to you, but that's kind of where you're looking at diving into social skills, emotional development, et cetera, even more so is how 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 well you want that to fit into your curriculum, how strong you believe that should be part of your curriculum, but they should still be there regardless. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, it says that your curriculum should be unique to your setting. So copying somebody else's curriculum to a T might not actually suit your children, your setting. Yeah. So if you've got an outdoor setting, their curriculum is going to look different to a setting in, in a city who don't have access to loads of outdoor green spaces. Yeah. yeah. It's all They're unique to the children. You might have loads of children that struggle socially, emotionally, whatever it might be. You need to gear your curriculum up. And yeah. And that's why really your gears, your gears, your curriculum should never be a static thing because it should constantly be changing with the, the times, you know, and what the environment is, the children you have, et cetera, et cetera. Even your practitioners. Yeah. Your practitioners in a lot of ways will gear as well what your curriculum looks like. And lean on from that, it says about watching the children, studying how they learn and play on their own. Yeah. So your curriculum will be dictated by... <laughs> this is a weird noise, isn't it? Um, your curriculum will be dictated by how your children learn best. Yeah. There's no point having a curriculum that's of no interest no. for the children around you. Absolutely. Um, and it's finding out the children's interest because your curriculum will be led by a child's interest. Yeah. Um, which is like you said, it shouldn't be static because it should forever be evolving and developing with those children. I mean, a massive shift we saw was when we came out of lockdown. The shift of... Our curriculums, our focus, our energy, whatever you want to call it, was on um, social development and emotional development and language skills. Yeah, yeah, all those elements of, because even language, I'd argue, would fit under a big parenthesis of your social development because you learn language socially. Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. So that whole area after lockdown was put under the microscope and examined and we put a lot more weight behind it. Yeah, we did. Across the board. Um, the next one I like on the government website is that it should not be overly complicated and should meet the needs of the majority of children. 
Children with additional needs such as SEN may need additional support. And I really like that. Shouldn't be overcomplicated. Why should you, like you should, your curriculum shouldn't scare you. Yeah. What you're trying to make children achieve or help them to achieve shouldn't be daunting to you. And we're going to talk about why it can be daunting yeah. to build a curriculum, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be overcomplicated. If we want happy, sociable, emotionally stable, confident children, how are we going to get them there? Yeah. That's what it is. That's yeah. what the end goal is. Because it's just too overcomplicated so often oh, God, yeah. with the way that we look at planning, the way we plan activities, all the things that we do. We've spoken before on this podcast about observations and assessments and the craziness that took over probably like 10 years ago when it became uh, almost writing essays, essays, essays of children as opposed to just focusing on the core concepts. And I think if you zoom out when you're talking about your curriculum, you look at the core concepts of, like we just said, emotional, educational, neurological, cognitive, social. You look at these key areas and think, right, what is it I want these children to walk away from this nursery with and when yeah. they go to school? Because then you can figure that out and then work backwards. That's how I would always recommend. If you, When people ask questions about developing um, curriculums or that jazz, I always say work backwards from those key principles. What is it when you, when I ask you those questions, it immediately comes to your mind in those areas. And then what is it that you think of when you think of the children that you're caring for? Because I can't tell you. I don't know because I don't know your children. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, might, I might sit here and go, well, the importance is absolutely making sure that they're all um, you're developing co-regulation, self-regulation skills, but they actually might be like weirdly really good at regulating their emotions, so you're just wasting your time. But they're actually really poor at, I don't know, to talk about, their language is really delayed. Uh, yeah. And so that actually needs to be worked into there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's a difficult one, and there's never a, when you see people selling things on websites and stuff and saying, this is, a, this is your perfect earlier curriculum. Well, they can't be. Unless you're going to come to the, my preschool and spend time with my, my preschoolers, you're telling me a dud. And I think that's why we've not really done a class on the Early Years Network about building a curriculum because no. this podcast felt like the right way to talk about it because actually I wouldn't feel comfortable sitting in front of a camera and saying, this is how you build your curriculum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know your children. I don't know what their interests are. I don't know their abilities. I don't know if what I'm saying is going to set them up to fail. I mean, the only way we could do it is if, like I just said, we sat down and we talked really vague. Yeah, but uh, and I came at it from. But then I'm basically telling you to suck an egg. That oh, you've got to, you've got to make sure do, you are including maths in because the video. Because then if I went off on a tangent, like my co-regulation video I started doing the other night, if I started doing that, the, the video would end up being over 24 hours long because I I would then have to delve into everything. So you yeah. met, at that point, I'm just recreating every video we, we have done and we are ever going to possibly do. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a couple of really good articles on the family vlog. Blog, sorry that um, a really good read about building a curriculum and yeah. things like that. Shout out so, to our friends over at Family. Yes, and we, we do like them over at Family. Don't we, we are actually, for the expo, uh, not, weeks. Um, not next month when this podcast comes out, because it's still January, but in the 1st of March, we will be at the, oh my God, why do I always forget the name? Child, Child Education, Education Expo. Um, and we will be, I think we're B20, and if we we're, we're directly opposite um, Family. Friends at family, but Sorry. they've got some really good um, articles on their blog, regardless. But about yeah. curriculum as well, they're really interesting. And they sort of break one um, section down into curriculum, pedagogy, and assessment. So your curriculum is the what. Yep. Your pedagogy is the process of how you're going to do it. Yep. And your assessment is how we understand what children have learned. Yep. It's a really nice way to break it down because um, when we look at the curriculum, it's what is it we want these children what for these children, sorry, in terms of their learning and development. Yeah. So what do we want? That's where you, like you said, what do you start with? What do you want from them? What yep. do you want them to leave with? Um, what do we want them to be able to do? And I think that's a really important one. 
because we talked about how as a whole at your earlier setting you could want independent you want independent children yeah but your pedagogy on the process of that is the same throughout but how you do it in the baby room and how you do it in a choose in a preschool room it's going to look different yeah, yeah but the intent is still the same yeah you're scaffolding that throughout the ages yeah. aren't you you're finding that process yeah. So it, it, the basis of your curriculum is the core, but how you teach that across the areas of your adaptable. is adaptable. Yeah, but it's also adaptable across the areas. Like how you teach the child that's been in the preschool room for two and a bit years is different to the one that's just come up. Like you're always having to be moldable, adaptable, especially yeah. in early years because you have such wide variances of where they are in different areas. Yeah, exactly. Um, is how do we want the children to be? How do we want them to be and act and? But what I've, I would like to think happy, calm, confident is where everybody wants them to be, but that's how you want to do it. Uh, and then how do we support children's transition into reception class? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's their next step from us. Yeah. From any early year setting, whether it's a preschool, a nursery, uh, with a nanny, with a childminder, their next step is reception. So how are we going to support them with our curriculum to be ready for that next stage? And that article, just, it just breaks it down really nicely. Um, it's almost like a big circle, though, that, isn't it? Because yeah. once you've done your assessment, it then comes back to reflection on the curriculum. Exactly. And yeah. then it feeds back into what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Then you see your assessment, and then it feeds back through. And it's just like a big cyclical cycle loop, isn't it? Constantly that's why, um your curriculum shouldn't stay the same. No. Because once you've assessed what the children are doing and how they're doing it and how well they're adapting to what you're doing your next steps for them and the curriculum will slightly change, even if the core is the same with emotional development, say, for instance, and you've focused really solely on how you're going to get emotional intelligence from them and understanding through a lot of co-regulation. Yep. The next time you assess, the children might be ready for that next step of self-regulation. So how you engage them in that will be different, mm. but the core of your curriculum is the same. And this is the lift the lid a little bit, but this is exactly what we do across our settings. It is, yeah. We have a, we have development cycles that run through uh, quarterly periods where we will set out a curriculum, a plan, and it'll unfold over a period of time. And then yeah. you'll 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 review it, and then you'll do the assessment, see where they're at, review it, and then go forward. And it would just cyclical as it runs through. Yeah, and those things move with the children. Yeah, through the settings. So yeah. it's, it's so you never you never but, no. but also then you've still always got the core foundations of your curriculum in place. Because, like, the core foundations of what we want to achieve... Shouldn't change. Shouldn't change. Well, not shouldn't change that flippantly. It, that you're just adapting on how much you're focusing on certain areas depending on the children. Because we always want to embed, like how, the example I used earlier, we always want to embed strong self-regulatory skills through co-regulation. It just so happens that if we have a group of children that are really, really good at it, why would you spend that much time on, on embedding it further when you've got other areas that... There's always an area you can focus on more yeah, because it's more needed. I think it's it's really hard, like you say, to tell people how they should how their curriculum should run. But actually, I think at the core of it, it's that that holistic approach of what we want children to achieve with us should be holistic and it should cover everything. Yeah. Because you don't want them to have that area missing that you've not focused on. No, and 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 it often runs counterintuitive because I think I think people get so worked up about the concept of an early years curriculum because you try and mimic 
elements and facets of primary and secondary education where you have a such a stonewall curriculum that throughout the school year you've got to cover because then you're going to be examinated on it. Examinated? Sounds like so out of dot two, that doesn't it? Doesn't it? Exterminate. <laughs> you're going to be um, tested on it by the end of that that period yeah. of time. Whereas that isn't true with early years. We don't we don't do that. We don't have a testing scheme. It's more the end of reception. Yeah, it, but it's more about we're creating more of a human rather than a robot that can memorise information that they get given and processed into them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So that's why when we talk about holistic development and what we're developing, I would always, and I always give more weight and I give I care more about the person we're developing than their quote-unquote educational ability. Yeah. Does that make sense? I agree. I would much rather a child come out of any early years setting, confident, happy, playful, inquisitive, curious, any descriptive word like that you want to use, independent, can do basic things, can put his PE kit on, go to the toilet, all of those things. But if he's really struggling to, and he can talk really well, he's got good speech, but he can't quite write his name, or hasn't quite nailed counting to 20 yet, gets stuck on Bundle 9, you're not overly concerned no, because that, that, will come, that will come. Because yeah. if he's got good language, he's engaging in good conversation, I'm confident language will come. It will come quickly. And schools will then, as they do, focus so heavily on it, he'll be fine. Yeah. If he was the opposite, though, if he really poor, like really struggled to regulate his emotions, got really upset, was very quiet, backed off, shy, wasn't comfortable in letting his curiosity come out because he was timid or that's the major flags and that's where we should be working. Because then if he can write his name and he can count to it doesn't matter because he's going to struggle to develop in all the other areas because he's not got that inner confidence. He's not got that emotional development, cognitive development. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, it does. And and that's where we look at that holistic development, isn't it? Because these children need to be able to leave our settings with a well-rounded view of themselves, of others, the world around them, how to communicate, um, the social norms, what's acceptable. It's it's all those other things that come into it, like say, rather than writing your name. And loads of people in early years will say, teachers tell us, Please don't do anything with phonics or yeah, because we have to then undo it because there's so many different phonics programs yeah. around that actually they have to redo some of the things you've done. And I'm not saying that phonics isn't important. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is for preschoolers, especially our preschoolers, I would much rather them see them be playful and explore than sitting at the table yeah, and, it's, and doing a writing exercise. And sometimes the, uh, it could be counterintuitive. Uh, I put a post out not that long ago talking about maths and maths phobia and how it's a real thing mm. because the uh, exposure too early to maths or not too early because everyone's different, but you can trigger in your amygdala the responses on the flight or fight scale where you're triggered by those elements and then it massively affects your working memory. And if it affects your working memory and you're in a heightened sense of anxiety and stuff as a result of um, being exposed to like, I don't know, maths or whatever it is, maths is often a popular yeah. depict because it, it, I think it's slightly more common. But language can be the same. If you're forcing a child down to learn things before they're ready to, it can have negative consequences. Yeah, it's like when you say about maths, it's that forcing of um, count these one, two, five, no, do it again. Yeah. One, yeah. two, four, yeah. no, do it again. That's already instilling that fear of, oh my God, I'm going to get yeah. it wrong because it's numbers. Whereas actually, if you're in a sandpit with a child and you're playing and you just naturally scoop mm. and just count one, two, 
three. You're exposing them to that mathematical language yep. without it being fearful, forced, or well, they're going to get it wrong. I was today actually this morning. I was talking to one of our chefs who runs a cooking class at the preschool children every Friday. And I was talking to her and she, she'd watched some of the videos we put out recently and specifically one of them on activities I talked about. Um, and she was talking to me earlier about maths. And I said, actually, you are, you're, really you're, top maths you're our top maths teacher. And she looked at me and I was like, well, because technically cooking yeah. and in preschool, it's actually one of the best ways they learn maths because you deal with so much in terms of measurement, quantities, how many are they here. You, you could even dive in and start talking about volume and how much volume to this jug, and then what happens if I put flour to it, all the water, where does that disappear to? Because it then it becomes a different texture. Eggs, they can change. Um, anyway. But they can change from, from a liquid to, to a solid. Like, there is so many mathematical concepts and elements to cooking that it can drive so much more positive learning than forcing a child down at a table to take part in your curriculum that you've designed in a very schooly fashion because you've got to do an inset circle time and it's math time or it's science time or it's yeah. language time like that's what when the word curriculum gets bandied about that's sometimes what worries me you go away from that holistic development you go through that learning through play and you start to go down a slippery slope of um primary school secondary school style education on tick lists and check boxes and forced uh teacher-led teaching do you know what I mean? I that do, that yeah. when the word curriculum gets banned about, sometimes that I shudder a little bit because I feel like those elements are going to creep back. And they're, they're elements that have gone, gone out of the industry more and more and more yeah. over the last few years. People, when they talk about it, a lot of people are very switched onto it. And I'm, probably in what I'm saying, I'm teaching a lot of people to suck eggs um, <laughs> because a lot of people are very switched onto it. But certain other people, if they've got a school background or they're new to early years, uh, sometimes it can be a bit of a wake-up call with how different Early it years. is in early years, and that's because of, of of how we're developing humans before we're developing, like I always say, robots in, in primary and secondary education. Um, so when we're looking at that holistic development, we've got your curriculum. So that's building around what the children the children and what they need. Yep. So it's building around what your children need from you to achieve before they leave you mm -hmm. to go on to some bigger things. Um, your environment that you're providing for children. Now that feeds nicely into your curriculum because that is the resources and the activities the continuous provision that your children are going to have access to to achieve the yeah. points in your well, curriculum. In a lot of ways, your pedagogy is twofold, isn't it? It's your interactions and it's your environment. Yes. Because your environment does a lot of the work for you. It should. Well, it, it has to. Yeah. yeah. It has to. And then your interactions with children do also a lot of the work for you. Yeah. I mean, my video on interactions on the network site is probably one of my favourites that's on there. You've got a video about enabling environments, so, I mean, you, you've covered both of them. <laughs> Look at you. I'm so... <laughs> So knowledgeable. <laughs> um, but yeah, my interactions video is really important because I think it highlights why they're so important to children's development yeah. from a holistic point of view. And I've got two coming up that actually also touch on it with co-regulation. It's obviously a massive one in terms of relationship building and, and then also social learning, yeah. which is huge on your interactions and how we, we learn through interactions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, they'll both be coming in, in the coming uh, three to four weeks. Yeah. Um, and then we've got emotions, which we discussed on as well, yep. about that holistic development. Emotions play a part into everything we do, even as adults. So understanding them from a young age is really quite crucial. <laughs> yeah. Co-regulation is like one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing we do. Yeah. Even as adults, we joke sometimes about how we don't recognise our own emotions and deal with them appropriately. So actually helping children to accept their emotions and work through them is, a, I think, a really crucial skill. I always think when you're talking about people who work in early years, 
there's two skills. I mean, okay, there's not two skills. I'm lying to your face. But there's, there's, there's two skills that I think supersede all when we're talking about what makes the best of the best in our years. Oh, well. I think number one is they are really emotionally intelligent so they can deal with their own emotions really well. Because yeah. if you can deal with your own emotions really well, it doesn't matter how stressful, how much these incredible little children can push your buttons. <laughs> doesn't matter how stressful the day is, you're always level-headed. And if you're always level-headed and you, you're demonstrating really strong emotional intelligence, really strong self-regulation, the children will learn from that pickup. I mean, one of the things with my co-regulation video is, is how much of it's biological, how much of good... Um, developing through co-regulation depends on the biological elements of you being emotionally intelligent basically. Do you know what I would say on the back of that is it's not always being level-headed and being no. don't show emotion but it's actually being able to say I am a little bit sad yeah. because no one is listening do you know what I mean? But that, so, that's not you showing emotion that's you being able to express your emotions express yeah. your emo and talk about emotions which is really really important yeah. if you were not level headed you'd react in a volatile way yeah, you, okay. would, yeah. you would I understand that yeah yeah the, the, one of the worst things we can all remember it when we were um, I'm not talking earlier I'm talking in school you'd always have those teachers you disliked the most because they were volatile like not that they abused anyone, but like they were hot-headed, hot short. You couldn't, didn't really feel like you could... Your favourite teacher was always teach you feel like you could have gone to another conversation. They yeah. weren't somebody who was just disciplined. But therein. I think it's like being... It's not being afraid to talk about emotions with children of young ages. It's like the story you often talk about with Ben Kingston Hughes when he told you the story about the child that touched a fence or touched a book or touched something and the teachers had to go in. They are emotionally intelligent people. No. They're not really good at people at working with kids. I mean, nothing personal. But if you're berating a child that easily over just following his in innate curiosity in the most harmless way you're you're for me not adapt to be working with children at that age no. you don't have that understanding you don't have that compassion that empathy i would probably say about yeah. you don't get me wrong there are times when children will test their boundaries and there is a bit not someone say tough love but discipline and rules are it's a thing they, yeah boundaries life. are really important you can't just walk around and get no. everything you want in later life oh, the children do have to learn it but they also need to learn that their actions have consequences on other people. And being a, looking at your curriculum in a holistic way to teach children that is that the adults aren't afraid to tell children that I'm actually feeling a little bit sad and cross because nobody in this room is listening to what I'm saying. I'll, I'll, and they should know that. They should know that what they're doing is making somebody else feel a, a certain way. And I think there's also, there should be a, a, a nationwide message that goes out of trying to get home the fact, not so much to early years work, because I'm talking about as adults as a whole, about the fact that this front part of your brain, cerebral cortex, when you're born, is nowhere near fully developed. And in order to be rational and to think about um, what you're doing and to have good self-regulatory skills and emotional intelligence and to not just react off impulse, though, you know, we all get it, you're all in the car, someone cuts you up, you're immediately just like... Argh! But that thing that tells us not to get out of the car and punch him or not to bat your horn and go crazy at him is that rational part of your brain. That's the bit that just says, look, then leave it. It's cool. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not worth it. Children aren't born with that fully developed. And for some, it takes longer to develop. And it, that can go on till really late into the school period. Yeah. So if you're not aware of that, you're actually just damaging children because yeah. you're expecting them to act in a way that you would expect of yourself and adults. And so that expectation. So when, when, if I could say, always say anything to anyone, it's just bear in mind that the upper brain develops a lot slower than the the lower part of the brain. That's a really simplistic way of looking at it. Yeah. But it's really true. You know, you develop um, your your emotional response way quicker than you develop that regulatory that 
thinking, that thought process. Of course you did. And people forget that. Sorry, um, I took you on a tangent. What was number two? Number two um, is playfulness. Yeah. If you've got the ability to play with children and just forget about all your cares in your world <laughs> and to not worry about ju- people passing judgment and you can just run around and pretend to be a big aeroplane and whatever else in the garden and just forget that and just be part of their experience. Don't take over, but be part of their experience, yeah. be part of their play, be carefree. That's that's huge, and that's 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 something I admire in a load of people who work for us and in yeah. early years because that's I I struggle to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, would, I, yeah. and I, that's what separates separates the best of the best. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. having that ability. So I think emotional intelligence and just the ability to just play with children, and it's don't lovely agree. when you see it. Um, so in terms of curriculum, I think those seven areas that we do have to ju- judge children on, but assess children on, is important. Um. Everything we've talked about does come into play in those seven areas. So yep. you've got to reflect on them. Um, the interests of the children will engage them. Mm-hmm. So do not overlook them when you're building a curriculum because actually, if they're interested, they'll engage. Yeah. Well, if you're building a curriculum and you're not paying attention to the children you have, I'll suggest, I'll suggest what the hell you're building. Well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, it's like even a builder, when he builds a house, he has to look at the plans. Does he? Well, some of the new builds you see these days, I would question if they do. Um, you have to look at abilities and your environment has to be age appropriate for those abilities. Yeah, yeah. You can't. And then that leads me on to achievement. You should have celebrate achievements. Achievements are huge. So mm. celebrate them and work towards them, but make them achievable. Yeah. Don't have, a, don't set children up to fail as part of your curriculum because you want them to be the best of the best. No. Um, it's, it's pointless because actually if they're not going to achieve, you're going to damage their self um, confidence, self, self-esteem, self just themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think in terms of curriculum and holistic development, that's where we're kind of looking and that actually children need to be educated from us in early years from all angles. Um, For you, what would you say is the most important part of a curriculum? There's no wrong or right answer here. Um, I mean, there's technically no right answer because you can't pick one thing, but... No. Um, For the sake of the podcast. Can I have two that kind of link? No, you can have one so then everyone can berate you for how you're wrong in the comments. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, confidence. So building confidence. Building confidence, I think, because you can do that in so many different yeah, ways. It's a bit of a cheat. I think building confidence in children, regardless of a child's abilities or additional needs or lack of additional, do you know what I mean? Um, I think building confidence in children is my biggest thing. I want them to be confident little children, little beings in what they do, being confident that it doesn't matter if I get it wrong, being confident to have a conversation, being confident in their own abilities to do things for me is really important. Yeah, because that covers all bases, doesn't it, confidence? From social to educational (laughs) to emotional. But that for me is the big thing if I was... Do you know what I saw the other day online? I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram, but it was a bit weird, so I feel like it must be TikTok. But there was this American guy, and he was talking about ways and how you can make sure your children grow up confident, but not cocky. And I think he was talking about early years, almost. I was like, that's a, that's a strange it's a strange angle. It's a fine line between confidence and cocky, though. I know, but have you ever... I've never thought about it like that. Thought about it. Years, no. I've never, because not often you see a cocky preschool. I mean, you, you do, I get it, but... It's not. Is it something that parents should worry about at that age? Confidence is key. It is, isn't it? Yeah. 
I just, I found it really weird. I didn't listen to too much of it, clearly, but I just, I thought it was a weird thing and I never thought about it. No. Um, do, you, I do, do you want to know mine? Or? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just put, I picked the right answer, so I thought we were done talking about that. Okay. But go on, what's yours? Mine would be... Um, confidence. Well, no, because I came at it from a slightly different angle here, yeah, confidence. <laughs> I came at a different angle for you. I was thinking more what's the most important thing for a curriculum from our point of view. Okay, go on then. Not as an end product. And um, for me, positive relationships. Yeah. Which I, could still be an end goal because you want children to be able to build positive relationships through the forward. Yeah, but I mean it more from, I think, when you're plotting a curriculum and you're thinking about a curriculum plotting, yeah. It was sad and dark room. <laughs> when you're thinking about creating a curriculum, there's no point. If the starting point is anything but positive relationships, you're starting in the wrong place because you can't develop educationally. You can't develop independence. You can't develop all these things if a child doesn't feel secure in their environment because no one's going to be curious. If it's their first day and you've not put the time into developing that important relationship with them. You know who's going to say to you when they listen to this and go, you can listen to yourself, your mother, about relationships. I know, but I'm also not three. So the damage has already been done. No. Oh, well, and what then? Darcy. Oh, right. Darcy's our dog, not our child. Just <laughs> our for, puppy. Just for um, consensual purposes. Just how important it is that we have that relationship and we build it. So she's going to be like, then practice what you preach yeah. with your dog. But that is that is the pinnacle of it because you, you're not going to get curiosity from a child. You're not going to get strong co-regulation. You're not going to develop all these vital aspects if they don't feel confident in their environment and children feel confident in their environment and they progress through positive relationships, really secure, meaningful attachments. Um, and they're vital to, 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 to ensure that children develop in that way. So if we're talking about developing a curriculum, that has to be the forefront. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and then the other bit that I wanted to add on to into building a curriculum is you should, as a company setting, whatever that is, have your values and principles yeah. And they should be instilled with your staff. Yeah. Which then filters down to your children. The values that you uphold to your staff in a way should link to what you uphold your children to. Yeah. Because even us, we internally, we have our approach, don't we? That yeah. we called it, which sets out sort of like values, isn't it? It's it our sets principles, our yeah. principles of what we want to achieve. And they go down into our values and then they cascade down into what the curriculum is and then that cascades down into what our activity is and what we're yeah. doing practically with children every day. So if that's embedded with your staff, it's going to be easier to embed that into what you're doing with the children. Well, absolutely. It's more important that the practitioners and the educators working with children in our in our company, but in any company, have a strong understanding for it, feel for it and input into it than it is me. Oh, yeah. Because they're the ones carrying out every day. So it's vital that if I could say whatever I want, but if they don't buy into it, if, if the people who are working every day with the children aren't bought into the idea and the concepts yeah. and really on board with it and, and doing it and living it and breathing it, it's, it's absolutely pointless. Yeah, no, it is, you're right. Because words on paper don't mean anything. No, it has to be. You have to believe it to yeah, do it. you have to do it. You have to live it. Yeah. Um, and then before we sort of wrap up, I wanted to kind of talk about why the word curriculum can be a bit daunting. Um, is it that there's a lot of pressure to get yep. it right? Yeah, yeah. But again, we've talked about it. There's no right or wrong. It's what's right for your children at that time. Um, is it the pressure of Ofsted to discuss your curriculum? Tell me about your curriculum when you're learning walk. Yeah. Is that a pressure from it? So why does society um, thing as well? Isn't and it? parents. Yeah. Is there a pressure from parents that your curriculum has to be perfect for their child? But when they join you, 
things that I have to adapt for their child. Do you want to know the honest answer? It was a bit controversial. Well, I hate the word curriculum in early years. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Absolutely hate it. It's, it's for me, it's... That's what I mean. Is that us. why it's so daunting? Yeah. Because we don't... I don't find it daunting, though. I just find it... It just puts me off. But, no, but like, you know, it, personally, it puts me off the idea of it because as soon as you start talking about curriculum, as soon as you start, you often get... You go down avenues of early years that I don't want to go down. Yeah. Often go down avenues of all these amount of activity sheets for the day. This is my intervention on carpet time. It's all these things that, for me... You hate it's, it's not the way I view early years. And I, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm not saying I do it better than anyone else. That's just my personal opinion. And we're talking about developing children holistically. I'd much rather look at project-based activities. What's our environment? How can we let them freely uh, explore their own curiosity and things like that? And then if I have to have adult, uh, adult intervention in some ways, what are my interactions looking like? How can I yeah. interact in a, while, in a way to get this out of the child? How can I tactfully... Um, scaffold their learning? How can I tactfully adjust my environment or adjust what I'm doing or how I'm interacting with a child in order to help them in this way because this is what they need? I'd much rather look at it in an anal- and analyse it in that sort of scope than worrying about curriculum and key buzzwords yeah. like that. For me, it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I think to end it then, so who is it really for? Who is this curriculum really for? And it is the children. Yeah. It's not... It was for us to know what we want from them. But at the end of the day, that, that curriculum that you've built is for those children. It's not for anybody else. Mm. It's not for Ofsted. It's not for the parents. It's not for the aunties and uncles that check in every now and then. Yeah, yeah. It's not for the outside agencies. It's for those children in your setting at that time to help them to achieve the best that they can. Yeah, it's always like next steps. There was the words next steps. They always say, what's the child's next steps and things like that. For, for me, I always think next steps aren't for the child. No, they're for us. us. Yeah. For, for me, tactfully, what am I either doing right or am I doing wrong? Or what can I do differently or what can I mould? Yeah, the child's on that, they're going, well, actually, Emily, my next step's this, so why have you got this activity out? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I well, to be fair, we've had a few children in the past <laughs> who would have done that. Actually, you're right. Uh, Mr. Ben, I'm not supposed to be learning that yeah. this week. I'm yeah. supposed to be doing something different. Actually, Mr. Ben, I need to go get my shoes because I should be in forest school today. Yeah, and I should be learning how to put my coat on, so you best go and get that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that's a confident child. Yeah, bless her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I guess we've kind of wrapped it up with it at the end, but it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be overwhelming and it yeah. doesn't need to be set in stone from day one and that's where you never change. It'd be interesting to hear people's opinions on this because yeah. there will be very ranging opinions and people will talk about curriculum. And they'll build a curriculum and they spend a lot of time in it and they'll do a really good job of it. Of course. And they'll absolutely smash it and they'll do all the other things we're talking about and may take umbrage about the fact that I don't like the word curriculum. But then in reality, they will do everything I just talked about, which I prefer, but just label it a curriculum. Yeah. Absolutely fine. If that's how it works for you and that's how that's the language that you use, I'll absolutely go for it. It's just from experience in the past when I've seen curriculum be used and I've seen settings that have done these certain things, they've gone down paths that... Personally, I don't think we should in terms of early years in more school elements. And even in school, I sometimes think we're so rigid in our curriculum. Yeah, we are. We're not teaching children. No. We're just teaching them. We're processing information through them. And then fingers crossed that they remember it when they sit in a big scary hall. A lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, obviously children learn really valuable things in school. I'm not not blind to that idea. Isn't it really funny? Actually, one of our members of staff was preparing for her multiple choice exam this week. And she said, oh, I sometimes get mixed up with... um, the characteristic effects of learning and the statements, which one's going to which? And I said, I know you have to learn it for this 
exam. I said, but the reality of it is if you ever needed to know that information, I said, it's on that poster right next to you. I said, and the stupid thing is, is you shouldn't have to memorise that because the tools that you need should be available to you all the time. Because she was sitting in exams, you had to remember it. The the thing that always... Not to confuse me, because I understand fully why why it happens and the history of it. But do you not think it's quite ironic that we sit here today talking about what's the most important thing of 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 a curriculum in early? It's oh, it's 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 emotional development. Oh, it's building really meaningful relationships. Oh, it's doing this, this, and this. And then as soon as you get to school, they are the least important elements of the curriculum. They may give it lip Let's service, not but it's not because my view on the schooling <laughs> system in the UK is, is. But as soon as you get to school, the teachers are under so much pressure to work through this huge textbook. To get kids through the other side. I mean, I remember one year in, oh, it must have been doing A-level maths. So it must have been second year A-levels. No, it wasn't. It was, we had exams in January, first year of A-levels. We were starting the next part of the curriculum before we'd even done the exams for the first part. So, (laughs) and we're like, what's going on? I want to revise my exam. No, you've got to come into school and start maths lessons because we don't have time to get through the curriculum before your next exams in the summer. What? That make, there's no logical sense there's to this, not, then, is there? No, Why are you setting a curriculum? There's quite literally not enough time. That's what I mean, achievable. Yeah, it and you and you damn well know how much time we've got because the school year's the same every year, give or take a day. Yeah, it's always a bloody but day. What's going on? So it's just it, everything goes out the window, and teachers are under so much pressure to get it done. And I understand it. I remember um, talking to Haley last year, and she was saying about all the things that they have to do in terms of like the assessment, everything from the school. But I thought, God, it's so. So regimented, isn't it? Yeah. When you're in a school environment, regardless of the age that you're teaching, that is on you. But but yeah, I think that kind of summarises curriculum in early years for us. Um, we just wanted to have a brief chat and sort of throw it out there, didn't we really, and what people's opinions of it. It would be nice to hear people's feedback as well. So there will be posts, clips of this going up on um, social media. Yeah. So even if you've got an opinion, you want to talk about it and it's got nothing to do with the actual clip is... Just comment in the in the section. Yeah, because it would be just a conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's it for us. I think this week. Yep. Have a lovely rest of your week. Got the traitors to watch tonight. Oh, we're filming this on the day of the final of the traitors, and we are obsessed. So next week's episode that we record, so the week next Monday for you guys, we'll discuss it. Okay. Who do you think is going to win that? I'm not. Don't want to get into it. We'll do it next week. We'll do a section on the. Nobody train. else in the office will talk to you about because no one else is watching it. No, so it's just us and everybody listening. But we'll discuss it next week. Hey. Okay. This time next week, or actually, when everybody's listening to this, we could have some exciting news. 49ers could be going to the Super Bowl. Just because they're pregnant. No, I'm not. <laughs> Let's not drop that on the podcast before we tell everybody, eh? Definitely not. (laughs) And on that bombshell, we um, will see you this time next week. We will indeed. See you later. Bye. Bye.